Joining us in studio, Sophia John. Good morning, Sophia. Good morning. How did you get the news of Joey Jordanson's passing? A good friend of mine got a hold of me yesterday. Um, He was one of the original maggots, believe it or not, one of the original true fans of the band, Dan Zart. He's from Omaha. And uh, there were three guys that were like the first of the first for me personally. Uh, that with were the maggots? Band. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He got a hold of me yesterday, and um, and that was how I found out. It's crushing, because when you think Joey Jordison, you think, wow, founding member of Slipknot. One of. A force of Slipknot because of the way he drums. I read that he got his first kit at age eight. Can you confirm that? <laughs> yes, yes. Once he got the drums, he fell in love. From a parent's perspective, oh, crap. My kid's got the drums. That's going to annoy me. You know what? His stepfather was in a a jazz band, and Joey played with his stepfather in the jazz band. Music was a part of his life. Yeah, it's it's where he felt alive. For those who don't know, Sophia discovered and signed Slipknot. If you're just hearing this, yes, it's true. You don't believe it, right? (laughs) You're right. Because we we made a post on our Facebook page that you were going to join us and we're going to remember the life and times of Joey Jordison. And people are like, well, I knew she was the queen of metal, but I didn't know that she discovered and signed Slipknot. Yes, that's the honest to God truth. They were a local band in Des Moines. They sucked. And she has said the same thing for years. This is the, the story has not changed. And Joey would be very happy to hear me say that. <laughs> and he would say, you're right. We suck. We suck. We need to practice more. We need to write more songs. Was he always this talented? Did it take work? He worked hard at it. It wasn't like something that came to him overnight. Mm-hmm. He put the effort in. He made it happen. When you watched him play for the first time, did you know this guy had the talent? No, I used to down, I used to downsize it. He's like, so what'd you think of the show? It was okay. In your mind, were you thinking it was good? I was thinking it was better than that, yes. But you would just tell the guys it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. You need to work on this. And it motivated them. Yes. It's the way that we, it was the language that we had to push ourselves further. In the beginning, you told us they wrote 12-minute songs. And there was no structure to it. And you got them They're to structured. chunk it down to three that's minutes. The, that's the jazz. That was the jazz. <laughs> that was the jazz, man. There was structure there, all right? But it wasn't structure that would be easier to throw out and try to win the mass public over. Mm-hmm. And these songs were just annoying as hell for me. All right? Because you're working at a rock station, and then you go there, and you're, like, expecting some, like, <laughs> rock songs, you know? And then you go there, and it's just it's not so that. So I had reached my point of, like, no return one day when he called me. I was on the air. I used to work from 2 to 6. Okay, afternoon right? drive yeah. in Des Moines. And he would call me while I was on the air, and we would talk, and, um, and so would Sean. So, you know, the clown. So it's nothing, you know, those two in particular. It seems crazy, though. Like, listening right now, you're like, oh, yeah, Joey Jordison would call me while I was on the radio. The clown would call me. While I was on the radio, would you put them on the radio or is no. it just. No! <laughs> Hell no! W- would they beg you to play their songs on the radio? Yes, and I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Not until you get a I good one. Know, no, I don't know if they would beg. They knew better. They would tiptoe around it. And, I would, and they knew better because we were 
like a more of an alternative rock oh, okay. than a rock station. There was there wasn't any really mass appeal rock stations out there. The only one that I know of to this day that well, there's a couple. All right, there's the Riff in Detroit, and um, there's the Blaze in Lincoln. They were active rock before anybody else I can think of. In fact, we sent them a crow, not a real one, but a costume crow. Who, the radio station? Yeah. We sent it to Sparky on the blaze early on, along Uh with the song, thinking, you know, people that we wanted to impress, and Sean came up with this, uh, he would go and order from this this costume shop um, with this... They ran out of them after a while, but we would get the, you know, the fake crows. Okay. And then you would send them the crow with the demo. Yes, for good luck. Did it work? I think so. I mean, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. Eventually, they were like, hey, these guys are pretty good. It didn't work at the beginning, but it paid off at the end. I got 38 dead birds in the mailbox. We should probably listen to one of these eventually, right? Joey Jordison recently made a post on Instagram talking about one of the albums and he was oh, yeah? thanking oh, many yeah. people. And your name was on there. And there's a screenshot on our Facebook page, Spicoli's Morning Fiasco. And people are still like, what? And you're like on the top, too, because it, it goes uh, Monty Connor, Dave Rath, Roadrunner Records, Sophia John, and then the list keeps going. <laughs> Is Rick Rubin on that? Um, I'm sure no, he's got to no. be on there somewhere. No, okay. Ross Robinson Ross has got to be on there. Oh, like, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So you're before Ro- Ross Robinson. You are, Ross, okay, Ross what he did, the King Robinson is right after What you. he probably did. Okay, what is it again? Read it to me. So thank you to Monty Connor, Dave Rath, okay. and all at Roadrunner Records, dot, dot, dot. Sophia John, all right. Ross the King yep. Robinson. Ross. Okay, you need to understand that this is where it's good. Monty Connor, A&R guy okay. at Roadrunner, signed all the big metal bands that Joey loved. And that's where they wanted to get signed was Roadrunner. So that, that was, was the it. label. Oh, yes. And that's where you fought to get them and signed And Monty Connor said, not good enough. Monty Con- not, oh, not so good many times. Oh. Told me. So many times, not good enough. Eh, it's okay. And what happened was around that time, if you will Google, because I can't remember the exact date, Taz, while I'm telling this story, Fear Factory had a release. It would have been 96 or 97. I think it was called um, something... Uh, Restructure. Demanufacture. There you go. Okay, when did that come out? That was, I believe, 1995, 96. Hold on. I'm I'm trying to figure out. Okay, there's a reason why. Because here we are. I'm on the phone. Yep, that's the album. 95. Yep, 1995. 95. All right. June 13th. I kept bugging Monty Connor. And he's like, I'll tell you what. If... The new Fear Factory album doesn't sell 250,000 copies, then I'll sign your band. Okay, that kind of sucks that he said that. Right. So I go back, I tell Joey, and Joey is conflicted because he's like, man, I really love that band. They're one of my favorites, and I, I really want them to sell that many, but I really want to get signed. And he knew they were going to sell that many, and they did. Monty was messing with us. And it really, Monty came to the table after Ross Robinson. Okay. See, so... It went, we kept hounding Monty Connor, and he turned us down, and we had reached a point where we were just ticked off. We're like, screw him, screw Roadrunner, (laughs) even though that was where they really wanted to be. Uh It took Ross Robinson to turn us around, because he's like, yeah, 
Ross is going to be doing. Uh, He's going to be doing his own label, an imprint underneath Roadrunner called I Am, I think. I Am Records. Please forgive me. My memory. Because this was in the 90s. This was oh, a while ago. Well, the, the thing is, there's only so much I can remember, and then I have to remove things from my, from my memory bank because I don't have much left. <laughs> um, so, and the, the things that you do remember are... The, the random stuff. Yeah, you know, the, the really the, random the, the things. The really weird stuff. So, um, uh, okay, where was I? So you, Hit the re- you were getting button. signed. So you got, let's just start from, you got signed to Roadrunner Records and that first album that they put out. Do you remember yeah. the first album? Yes. I remember they left and went to Indigo uh, to go record the album in with Indigo, Ross Robinson. California? Uh, that was the name of the studio. Oh, the studio. Yeah, okay. in California that Ross Robinson worked out of. And please double check it for me, Taz. Is it Am I or I Am? Uh, I Record am. label. Yeah, Ross Robinson. I think it's I Am. They used to watch videos of corn, mm-hmm. like movies of corn, and they would yell at me and they would point. And, and Joey would point at the screen. He'd say, That's the guy we want right there, right there. And I'm like, Why? And I would be in the other room. And he would make me come in and he'd go, See that guy? That's the guy we want to produce us. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And it right. was Ross Robinson? Well, it, I'm in the middle of freaking Iowa. <laughs> how am I going to get this guy that's in this video well, how did you get to the produce guy? them? How is, did you do it? Go it ahead. I Am Records. Thank you. I Am Records. And the first two signings were Amen and Slipknot. And then the third one, I believe, was um, at the casino. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Who is it? Dang it. Their cassette tape was sitting on Monty Connor's desk, and Ross asked, can I take this? And he did. He loved them, fell in love with them. From that band came Head Automatica. Good band. Okay. Um, the lead singer... At the drive-in? Of, uh, it's not at the drive-in. I know it's not at the drive-in. I love at the drive-in. At that time, they used to play the club in Des Moines, and nobody really? knew who they were. Yeah. Their booking agent asked if I could manage them to my best friend, Davo, in Des Moines. He asked me, I'm like, man, I don't know what I could do with that. I'm just dealing with this right here, meaning the metal, the sound of Slipknot, which is really, if you take it apart and put it back together again, there's a lot of melody in there and there's a lot of harmony. But for people that don't get it right away, it may feel like just a sound of noise, like a, a wall of noise, excuse me a wall of noise and sound, but it's not. There is so much melody in there. It's amazing. There's so many elements of jazz that are in metal. That's kind of, that's kind of what really, got, there really is. That's what sold me on Slipknot. The first time I started listening, I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. Is a little more co- There's complex. a lot of layers to the madness. It takes a lot. It does. Uh, when they left Des Moines to go to Indigo to record, Along the way, they found some some cat, all right? Uh-oh. Some kitten. What did they do to the cat? <clears throat> Nothing. They loved it. Okay. Mick took it. Mick loves cats, huh. all right? So Mick's like, I'm keeping this cat. They found it, kitten. <clears throat> the kitten had fleas. All the guys in the van got fleas. <laughs> and they were so ticked off. Gross. They were so pissed at Mick. <laughs> For taking this cat in. Yes. Yeah. He kept the cat. He had the cat for many years back home in Des Moines. Indigo, they got everything locked in. It was beautiful. They were doing amazing. They were there for two weeks to record the album. That's what it was supposed to be. 
two weeks to a month. The last track, they just couldn't get it right. No matter how hard they tried, they couldn't get the feeling of the original. And what was that last track? Do you remember what it was? Okay, we'll get to that coming up next. I do. We're joined by Sophia John, our boss for many years, who you know, she discovered and signed Slipknot. We have much more coming up. Don't go anywhere. Spicoli's morning fiasco on the river. Remembering Slipknot co-founder Joey Jordison, legendary Slipknot drummer. drummer. Gone at age 46, Joey Jordison, rest in power. 89.7 The River. Ooh, man. Joined by Sophia John, who discovered and signed Slipknot. Believe it or not, it's crazy. To, don't you think it's crazy or you think it's no big deal? Uh, to me, it's a local band from Des Moines <laughs> that... Took over the world. Maybe went a little out of hand. Hey, you need to understand, all it takes is one person believing in you. That's it. That's where it begins. And you were the begins, one person that believed in this yes, band. Yes, and that's why it is the way it is. Now, everybody has their own memories. We run with them, and we have our own versions of things. So when you hear these stories from me, these aren't my stories and my life that I experienced with Joey, with Sean, with Paul, with Corey, with the band, all right? Early on, when they didn't have anyone... Unfortunately, they had me. <laughs> you kind of kept them in check, though, and helped them grow because yeah, that that's, was it. Th- that was that was kind of like the thing that I've learned over the years is like they really needed help. Well, it took about a good year and a half to just win me over because uh-huh. I tried to I tried to distance myself, and they kept coming back. I'd give them advice, and they would apply it, and then come back and show me how they're doing it consistently. So it got to a point where they won me over. I trusted them, they trusted me, and they saw me as the way to get out of Des Moines. And meanwhile, I am knocking on everybody's door trying to pitch this band. Uh Uh-huh, and so we were talking about how they finally got to California, they're recording their album. Indigo. And, and what was the last song that they recorded that they couldn't get well, right? The song that they couldn't get, no matter how hard they tried, because they couldn't get the feel of the original, was Wait and Bleed. You hear Wait and Bleed, and that well, that's a ripper. On the, on the release, their debut album, that is the demo that they recorded at SR Audio in Des Moines. Because Ross felt he couldn't get, he just couldn't get that raw feeling. He couldn't get it. And so they had to go back to Iowa no, and get that feeling? No, they didn't have to go back. Oh, okay. No, they had it. Oh, they already had it. That's a- how they got so, signed. So they kept oh, tri- they kept the original yeah. that they did in Iowa and put that yes. on the album. Okay. Sorry, I skipped a beat. I'm assuming you know where SR Audio is. Uh-uh. SR Audio is in Des Moines. That's where they recorded everything. They were presenting to me for a good okay. three years. Damn. Those guys worked really hard. So it just didn't them. happen overnight, like a lot of people no, think. No, <laughs> this, no, 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 no. This nothing, took time, this took nothing, practice. Nothing happens overnight. At the end of the day, you're responsible. If you're an artist, you're responsible for your career. It's very easy to want to blame a booking agent, a manager, you know, a wannabe manager. At the end of the day, the music has to stand on its own two feet, and then you have to do the hard work because nobody's going to do it for you. It's good advice. Why don't we hear Wait and Bleed? And coming up next, I want to hear your favorite story of Joey Jordison. Oh, 
I just right, thought of one. Got that's it. That's next. 89.7 The River. Uh, 89.7 The River Slipknot Spicoli's Morning Fiasco. Joey Jordison, Slipknot founding drummer and co-writer of many of their songs, passed away at the age of 46. Joining us now, we have Sophia John, who discovered and signed the band, a roadrunner. Yeah. Hard to, hard to believe. I keep telling because people are like, what? A chick? No way. In fact, that was something. What? One club they went and played at? The guy's like, you manage them? Ha, ha, ha. And I said, oh, this is good. Oh. I bet that oh, made is, you happy. This is, oh, I loved it. Paul and Corey were walking by, all right? Uh, it was the Royal Grove, believe it or not, in oh, Lincoln. okay. You're- with the original owners. And the, the manager of the bar was and like. And you grew up in Lincoln. Some of my life in Lincoln. Some okay. of it. Some, Anyways, some years. yeah, some years. So. This manager didn't believe it. He's like, yeah, you manage them. Ha, ha, ha. And I go, oh, this is good. Hold on just a second. And there's Corey and Paul. I go, guys, come here. And they come running over, all happy-go-lucky like they are. And they're like, yeah. I go, tell them who I am. Well, you're Sophia. I'm like, tell them who I am to the band. Oh, you're our manager. I go, all right, that's all I need. Okay. And they took off trotting. And I go, so there you go. Put this name on the list. Thanks Damn. a lot. Bye-bye. Big flex. Big energy. Yeah. Joey, uh, you know, the thing about Joey is really funny. I had a nickname for him, and he loved it. Okay. Your nickname for Joey was? Ugly. <laughs> oh, no. What's up, ugly? I go, hey, ugly. And it was a thing of affection. One time I called somebody else ugly by accident Uh-oh. because I thought I was ugly. <laughs> I go, you are. You, you are. You're ugly. Don't worry. You're the king I, of I just said that to humor that person. All right? You're the only ugly in my life. Oh, you're my favorite ugly. Yeah. As a gift one Christmas, he gave me this red, I don't know what it was, but it was a candle holder. And it was, it was melted. And it was just this. And I, I still have it. It's packed away somewhere. It's art. I don't know if it's art. Probably cost him five, <laughs> ten bucks. But it was a lot of money back then. Because, you know, he worked overnights uh-huh. at the Sinclair gas station. Did he really? Off of Merle Hay Road. Yes. Okay. See, when you hear about that, you think Joey Jordison oh, uh, yeah. worked at a gas station? Do you know why? Why? Because then he could focus on his music all day. He could play gigs on the weekends. It didn't interfere with his oh. job. And he could listen to whatever music he wanted to in the Sinclair, because mm-hmm. hardly anybody would come in. That's cool. Overnights. That's and he lived for Tuesdays. What was Tuesdays? New music release day. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. We would live for Tuesdays. Would you do the Midnight Madness? Oh, yes. Go to the... We would go nuts yeah. on Tuesdays. Be like, I got it, I got it. <laughs> so There's so many things that just you overlook. It's the simple things in life that, that you remember. So we learned that um, his nickname was Ugly. He yeah. worked at a Sinclair gas station. Overnights. Uh, you would lo- yeah. live for New Music Tuesdays. Is, is Played there any... in, in the jazz band with his Played stepfather. In the jazz band with his he stepdad. also was in a punk rock band with uh, my best friend, Davo, in Des Moines. Really? Called the Have Nots. Paul was in the band. Joey was in the band. You're Paul Gray, right? Yes. Okay, Paul Gray. Yeah. In that band. Yes. Joey in that band. Yes. Yeah. And you see, it, it just goes to show you how talented these guys are. You know, it's like they, they can 
take their talents and play in any band. I also you read that Joey Jordison. Joey Jordison played in was it Murder House Dolls? Murder Dolls. Murder Dolls. Yeah. But he was a guitarist yes. though. That was his band. Yep. So uh, yeah, he was talented. You played drums, play the guitar. Did you see him when he was in the in the drum kit that was moving all around? I on did. Stage? That was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Did he just randomly come up with that idea? No, or? we stole it from freaking what's his Motley name? Crew? Yes, Tommy <laughs> Lee. Everybody does. There's nobody that I obviously it's not exactly the same, but nobody that I know of, other than if it's one of those classic rock bands like a a, a Deep Purple or something of that sort. Come on, Tommy Lee is known for that. But right. Joey, yeah, he was strapped in that thing, and it, he was beautiful. Yeah, I watched the video on YouTube. It's insane. Beautiful. He's just going all over the place. He's wailing on it, and he makes it look so easy. It looks effortless. When he's doing uh, it, it's just like you think you can do it when you're watching it, you know? But, well, the, I remember some guy in the audience, because he didn't know who I was. I was standing all the way in the back, and this is what I would do. I would, when I went to a show, I would stand somewhere in the crowd, and I wouldn't tell the guys. Freaking every single time, Joey would come over and just, he would literally just throw himself into me. I know where you're at. <laughs> just just oh to God. let me know where I was. And it was a game we had, uh-huh. you know? So he but would be looking for you tracking you down. He just wanted to let me know that he knew where I was. It's like, where's Waldo? But it's where's Sophia. Where's Sophia? And, and then, they, then he'd go play. And I would always watch... I would love to watch him. And this is a thing. If you're in a band, I'm telling you right now, the first thing I do, I look at the band on stage as a whole, but the very first thing I do is go to the side and watch the drummer. Because mm. to me, it all begins with the drummer and the bass player. Because if the rhythm isn't there, nothing else is going to happen. And I loved to watch Joey play. Did I think he was like... The second coming of Christ at drums? No. At that time, I didn't think that at all. Uh-huh. In fact, the kit that, that we bought with the advance of $15,000 that Oof. we got, yeah, was, um, it was a brand out of California, Orange. He wanted, he wanted a kit. He used to play like a kid's kit. Wait, uh, he was using a kid's kit in the band? Yes. For a while there, he was. All right. He was. Then when we got the advance, he wanted the, the first thing we did was spend $5,000 for drums on him. And then Cran wanted some titanium steel drums from Canada. At that point, <laughs> I pretty much checked out, you know? But uh, Yeah, because these guys are seeing money for the first time. and $15,000, like, that's all. What can we get for $15,000? It doesn't it. seem like a lot, though. But at that time, you know, if you're, if you're in a band and you, you're not used to any money yeah, and you get $15,000, yeah. it's like eyes wide open. Oh, my gosh. Kid in a candy store. And we would be, we, we were coming back from Chicago. We went to see Sister Soleil, which they were friends with her. Mm-hmm. And she helped push them a lot, too. The lead singer, Stella, did. Uh, when we were trying to get them signed, she lined up the show that Monty Connor came in and Mancow's people came in. Mancow is this legendary radio yes, dude yes. in Chicago. And, um, and they all came in to see them play. We opened up for Sister Soleil at um, a nerd college. It's a tech college. Uh, in Chicago. Okay, so in the hood. Okay, <laughs> a nerdy tech college. Right. So Slipknot goes up. We've got less than twenty-five people in the crowd for us. All right. Yikes. But one of the original maggots was up there in the front. Drove in from Des Moines because he knew. He knew. 
So they played, Monty Connor was in for that, and um, that was how Monty Connor finally got the band. But he didn't get the band before Ross Robinson said, I'm going to sign him to my label. And he's like, I don't understand why everybody's talking about this band. I've been listening. Well, we had gotten so pissed off at him. After we sent him Spit It Out, we said, we're not sending him anything else. Screw Monty, screw Roadrunner. So he didn't have Wait and Bleed. And that was the song everybody was getting pitched. And that was a song they all loved. And Monty was just getting to the party late. And Monty Connor did not like traveling, did not like flying. So the fact that he went to Chicago to see them open up for Sister Soleil at MIT, that's the college. MIT? Yeah. It was just bizarre. We had no business being there. Afterwards, Joey and the rest and the rest of the guys went and partied with a bunch of nerds at a bunch of nerd frat houses that they had. On that's the campus. only way to do it. Look, if you're gonna be there, and I said, party I'm, with the nerds. I'm going. I'm going to bed. I'm out of here. And I left. I was like, you guys know how you're gonna get home? Nope. Because I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm out of here. I'm not staying here to go from one house to another and bonfires with a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Joey was, um, he was very dedicated to music, and he was dedicated to his family. Mama's boy Ooh. lived with, Ma- he lived with his mom, probably, and his stepfather, I don't know, probably into his 30s before he finally decided to spend some money. Every cent he made, he just, he like locked it away, didn't touch it. At the very beginning, yeah, his sisters and his mother. That's awesome. He loved his family, and he loved music. I love hearing about that, you know? you know, Because you think these scary guys, I mean, for no. most people, they're like, oh, the Slipknot no. guys, look oh, at their mask. Terrifying. They're so no, scary, man. and they, they scream. Devil. No, they're all pussycats. <laughs> and she said that story for years. Yeah. Like, they're all a bunch of pussycats. Yeah. All a bunch of whips. A little so, bunch of babies sometimes. I'll leave you with this. I had a bulldog named Sasha. First dog I ever got, and she was a beast. Okay. She was a good 75 pounds. Damn. Pure muscle, massive chest, long tongue. Sounds intimidating. Well, the guys would say, we're going to take her on the road with us. I'm like, you're, you're not taking my dog. Yeah, that's your dog. When we get signed and we get a bus, that's going to be when we finally made it. And we're going <laughs> to steal Sasha and take her on the road. I'm you're like, all right, whatever. Okay. Well, whenever they would come over to visit, and actually there's two stories. I'll do this first. Whenever they would come to visit, for some reason, I don't know why, Sasha would pee all over Sean. The clown. Yes. And then she would go and fart by Joey and then literally walk away like it was him. And, he and would then go, you would blame Joey? Well, why is the dog <laughs> farting and leave? Why does your dog always fart and then f- walk away from me? Shut up, ugly. That was you. That wasn't and my it dog. it was hilarious. We would laugh every single time. Now, when a tornado came through and totally destroyed the radio station, Mm. that night, Paul and Joey came to check on me at home. And there was another warning. And I kind of lost, I lost my cookies. And I said, there's another tornado coming. We need to go. Come on, we need to. And they're just sitting on my couch like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, I don't give a damn. If you guys don't want to take shelter, I don't care then. You're on your own. I'm taking shelter. So I grabbed my ferret's cage. You Which was massive. Yeah, I had a okay. ferret and a bulldog. And I shoved the ferret's cage in the bathroom. And I grabbed my dog and I shove her in the bathroom and I shove myself in the bathroom. And meanwhile, on your couch is Joey Jordison, uh-huh. uh, the clown, mm-hmm. and who else? Paul. Paul. Paul, Paul Gray. Gray. Okay. 
about uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later when I realized there's no tornado and I've tossed my cookies uh-huh. and now I've got to come out of the bathroom. I come out of the bathroom. They don't say a thing. What's up, guys? All right? I put the ferret's cage where it belonged. I didn't say a thing. They were sitting on the couch. All three of them had their own positions, one on each end and then one on the other one, and they didn't say a word. They know better. Not a word. (laughs) They know better. And then Sean would say, people think we're crazy. We're not the crazy one. You're the crazy one. I'm like, we could have died. It was a tornado. We lived a good life, man. And we were hungry. We were so hungry for it. And we weren't going to stop till we got there. And you guys made it. And you guys changed the world and metal forever. They and- did. Do you know that I had to ask Joey a question? Monty Connor came to me and said, the guys might have to play without the masks. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's possible. Because that's their thing. Well, if they can't play without the mask, we might not be able to do this. So I go back, I'm talking, to, I'm talking to Joey before I have to talk to Sean, because that would have been just like a blowout. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, um, I got this call, and this is what the label said. They want to know if you will play without the masks. And, and Joey, Joey says, said, if we have to, we can. But we really don't want to. The second he said it that way, I was, I was sold. I was like, all right. I go back to Monty. I go, we're not playing without the masks. They're not going to play without the masks. Absolutely not. It's a deal breaker. That's cool. But you see, Joey said it all right there. Mm -hmm. For those of you that believe that Mushroom Head, all their mojo got stolen by Slipknot. I'm here to tell you that they didn't even know who Mushroom Head was. They had nothing to do with Mushroom Head. They were inspired by... So many other bands, no idea. Mr. Bungle, by far, was the biggest influence that they had. For those of you that think Slipknot stole Mushroom Head's chance, you're wrong, here's why. Because you can take the masks off of Slipknot and the music stands on its own two feet. It's that good. You cannot take the masks and the shtick, which is a great shtick, live, with Mushroom Head off, and the music stands on its own two feet. The music does not stand on its own two feet with Mushroom Head. With Slipknot, it can stand on its own two feet. They don't need the masks. The masks are a bonus. Slipknot's got a lot of feet. <laughs> a lot of guys in those bands. Uh, very, very talented. Very talented group of musicians, and for them all to come together and take it to that next level, it was special. It was something that a lot of us are grateful for. As we remember the life of Joey Jordison, gone at the age of 46. Sophia, thank you for sharing the memories. Yeah. Really cool stuff to learn. Even though he called him ugly, but he appreciated that. Oh, man, he was my he was my boy. <laughs> ugly. You know? He'll be missed. He was the talent of the band. Paul Gray was the heart and the spine. And Sean Cran, the clown, is the mind He's the brain behind Slipknot. Corey? He's the good looking one. He's the pretty face. <laughs> he's the pretty boy, right? You call him pretty boy? I am proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so right? much. Much love to Joey's family. Always. Always has been, always will be. Thank you, Sophia John. The woman who discovered and signed Slipknot back in the 90s, as we remember Joey Jordison.
89.7 The River. Remembering Slipknot co-founder Joey Jordison, legendary Slipknot drummer. drummer. Gone at age 46, Joey Jordison, rest in power. 89.7 The River.